Welcome to 1989, inside the diary of a wannabe radio announcer. My name is Benjamin Wosley. You may remember me from my work as Giggling Ben on Hamish and Andy. Hang on, stop, stop, everybody, stop. I think, I think Giggling Ben went to play, <laughs> went to play a crowd. Or even Bad Boy Ben with The Vixen back in the 90s. It's the PMFM Top 30 with Bad Boy and The Vixen and joining us from the UK really early in the morning. It's Billy. But way before any of that, when I was 19 in 89, I moved from the seclusion of my bedroom at my parents' house in Adelaide all the way to the isolated Western Australian mining town of Caratha to start work as a radio announcer at a little station called 6KA. My godmother gave me a diary to write down every momentous occasion and I actually did it. And now, 30 years later, I'm going to find out how weird... Arrogant, lame, self-absorbed, dorky, inexperienced and closeted the 19-year-old version of me was. To hold my hand while we navigate almost 365 days worth of embarrassment and to call in my family, my friends, people that were there, people that have known me for nearly 30 years, strap yourselves in. It's going to be an embarrassing ride. I'm Benjamin Wosley. Welcome to 19 in 89. Welcome indeed, it's the third episode. Um, things are going swell, I think. I'm still a bit of a loser, the 19-year-old version of me is, at least. Uh, for context, we should say the Beach Boys Kokomo is holding Kylie and Jason's Especially For You out of the number one spot on the Australian charts. And Channel 10 is but three days away from announcing that they're cancelling the Young Talent Time with Johnny Young. There is no such thing as mobile phones, social media or the internet. It's all long distance phone calls uh, made in public phone boxes and letter writing to stay in touch. And coming up are probably some of my most demented diary entries yet. And it's only been three weeks. So trust me when I say the future looks pretty tortured. I apparently endure my pain in the asshole day. I'm so cultured and so classy. I meet someone that I will insist feels like my best friend after spending just five hours with them. And in a super creepy teenage way, I'll actually decide that without them even having the foggest idea or a choice in me friending them so hard. Plus, there's this guy who's going to call up out of the blue to check in with a workplace that he used to call home. And unbeknownst to both of us, we will actually become friends and workmates roughly three years later in the dark of a private cinema at a preview screening of Sylvester Stallone's Cliffhanger. And I won't have to force friend him into it. In fact, he's still one of my mates today and he's joining me for this very episode. Who is that? 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 Who is this? Who is that? It's Stuart Baker. Welcome, sir. G'day, Ben. Thanks very much for having me. Honoured to be on this program. You've been inundated by all you've had to experience so far. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's, you know, technology is uh, supposed to get easier. It never does. <laughs> no, it doesn't at all. We've actually been bitching and moaning about, could we just go back to an analogue <laughs> existence? <laughs> now, um, let's talk about back in, oh, it's got to be 19, was it 93? Well, I started in Perth in 92, and I think it was 93. I guess we could find out yeah. by checking the release date of Cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. But uh, maybe that was 93. And, yeah, so as you just alluded to, I guess it was still 96 FM at that stage. It hadn't yeah. quite changed. So, yeah, we were in a media preview screening of Cliffhanger, and I was entranced by the silhouette of your magnificent afro in the cinema lot. <laughs> 
I always forget that I used to have hair. <laughs> have a look at this bloke. Have a look at this hair, you know, in the glow of the silver screen. Yeah, before... But that's my memory. I should mention that before my hair fell out, for anyone that doesn't know me, I used to have massive big ringlets. Like, I didn't even know I had curly hair until I let it grow. And then I had these huge... I was like Michael Hutchins, which I was very stoked with, let's say. <laughs> and then it all yeah, so fell then out. We must have... Well, we obviously... I don't know whether we were doing too much handshaking and chatting in the middle of that viewing, but I guess after that, the spark must have been ignited for our so far 27-year friendship. Yeah, how insane is that? I love that. Yes. Uh, so, well, made it into your diary. That's very <laughs> The funny now, thing... what did we talk about? I don't know whether I'm as... Uh, I've got as much clarity on that phone call as you have. You've got the written records of it. So well, can you just jog my memory? We'll get into that in a second. I just want to re- remind everyone that I didn't even realize this until it's got to be maybe five or eight years ago that I pulled this diary out and started reading and then saw your name in it and thought, holy shit, this guy's my actual friend and I met him three years earlier. Yeah, but now why was I calling? So a little bit of background. So this is, you taking a phone call from me at 6KA Carapa. Yeah. I think I left in very early 88 and went to work in the East. And now why was I ringing back to the radio station? I think you were just revisiting your old uh, stomping ground, seeing how things were going, maybe to lord it over everyone that you're in Victoria. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> should, we, should we get Probably. into it? Yeah, for sure. All right, here we go. Uh, this is from January 1989. It's the 22nd of January, a Sunday, and I wrote this at 12.18am in the morning. He-woo. Such a friggin' loser. Instead of writing hello, I wrote he-woo, H-E-W-O-O. How are you today? So what did Benny do today? I can tell you're waiting in anticipation to find out. Nail-biting stuff, this book, eh? Okay, okay, stop pulling your hair out. I'll tell you. You will enter a world, the Twilight Zone, etc. And all of this just requires this button. I was a genuine cockhead at 19. Um, so as we continue, I got up, had a crap, and that's in inverted commas with a ha-ha after it. Uh, had some cocoa pops for breakfast, and in bracket, brackets I've got, let you into a trade secret there, staple diet. What else are you going to do when you're 19 and you can just eat as many cocoa pops as you want? Uh, I then went down to the station at 11.30, and then in capitals I've written, dedication, eh? No overtime, remember? And I wrote and recorded two commercials. I love that I'm saying this. I I honestly think I'm in there doing work because I didn't finish it during my office hours. So I don't know if there's uh, dedication or just more covering up my laziness. Uh, And wrote and recorded two commercials. I then went home and watched telly. Wrote a couple of letters. Oh, wrote a couple of letters. me writing a few letters. Real long one to mum and dad. And then I went to the station and did six till midnight again. Take 40 until 9.30, which means you just play tapes until 9.30. It's very easy to go to sleep. Far out. Three weeks in and I'm still (laughs) freaking lazy. I don't know whether you're being too lazy. I was just thinking while you were speaking about uh, extra dedication or going to work out of hours and not uh, getting paid overtime. Mate, there wasn't much else to do. Yeah, that's so true. (laughs) It was like get drunk or sleep. Or just hide from the heat somehow. Oh, yeah. And that had the best air con. The radio station built the best air con. And 
for people who don't know Karapa, I, I know during the period I was there for a summer, the average daily maximum was 41. Yeah. That's I an average. I distinctly remember getting a phone call from the um, air traffic controller to ask me what temperature gauge we were getting, and it, it was flashing HHH, and it only went to 55 degrees. And I told yeah. him that, and he said, oh, that's cool, because we're getting a 60-degree temperature on the tarmac right now. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, never, obviously, before or since felt heat like that. Yeah. Put a white on, hang it out, have a cup of tea and lunch, and go out there to be dry. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. You have a shower uh, and, and then I, wipe the sweat off yourself, not the water. Yeah, and quite often doing, the brec- doing a breakfast gig, uh, an occasional breakfast gig for me, would be, you know, be 35 at 5 a.m. Yeah. If you like the heat, go to Karatha. Um, So let's uh, go back. So tape 40 was just playing tapes until 9.30. Very easy to go to sleep. Oh, well, it was good. Now, here's where you come up. Guy from Victoria rang, Stuart Baker, used to work for 6KA, had a long chat. He works at Station in Victoria. He feels that he's heard a tape from me. Interesting, isn't it? See ya, 12.26 a.m. So we had a long chat, but clearly I didn't need to record any of what happened in that chat. Yeah, right. So uh, I think at that stage, I might have even been working in Gippsland. Yeah, right. At that stage, maybe you'd sent a nice little cassette out. Uh, oh, I definitely sent a lot of cassettes out. Career. <laughs> How many cassettes do we use to send? It's oh, great. So you know, I think I would have thought about being in Gippsland by that stage, or maybe still in Bendigo, I don't know. But you know, I used to often rifle through the program director's box of demo tapes, just have a listen to... Uh, any incoming threats. <laughs> See who I'm like up against. <laughs> yeah, well, just, just hear bits and pieces from around the place. <laughs> Wasn't like these modern days where you could just tune into any station on your phone. No. So people's demos were a great source of uh, what's going on around they the radio. sure were. And it was, yeah, on uh, little old audio cassettes that you would run off thousands of and hope no one would bulk erase it to put a commercial or their own audition tape on top of. Well, just quietly, I think so. <laughs> Hundred percent. I'd say that happened somewhere along the line, but I'm just glad I grew out of the belief in my very early days in radio that they had to be really good quality CDK SA thirty or sixty cassettes for your demo tapes, oh, and put on you know, like six dollars or ten dollars a tape or whatever, and finally discovered bulk cassette dubbing for a dollar each or yeah. something like that. So, All right, let's go yeah. to uh, Monday, January twenty three, twelve thirty eight a.m. All right, this. Went shopping this morning, had lunch in town. Ooh. A pie and chips. Really nice. Got home. I bought a Sunday mail in town too. A dollar fifty. Phew. I can't believe that I thought the weekend paper was that overly expensive in 1989. Uh, went into work at two, read my mail, had nothing to do. So Jan Swan, who's the... Uh, women's early morning announcer, and I went and got a a milkshake. Came back, did a couple of commercials, and then Jan asked me if I wanted to house sit for three weeks while she's on holidays in February. I think I'll do it for her. I have to look after her cats too. She said I could use her car also, so I'm going to say yes to that. I did my six till midnight shift. Mum and Dad rang up, which was nice. Had a bit of a chat, and that's about it, I'd say. Okay, adios, amigos. 12.44am. Jan Swan was there when you were working in ADA? Yeah, look, I'm a bit uh, foggy on Jan Swan. The name just certainly rung a bell when you said it, but I can't actually picture her yeah, at the she, moment. She was lovely. But what I did think was uh, you must have been stoked to get the offer to house sit for someone. Because of the cost of living in Karatha, all the announcers had to live together. Yeah, we were all living together. One house. Yeah. 
So for you, going to house ship for someone is like a three-week resort. Oh, my God. Totally it was. Although at 19, whenever I was alone, I thought I was a loser. So it also really hurt my uh, anxiety. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm still extremely scarred from living in the house with, with four announcers. And I think... Yeah, it was because of the Burrup Natural Gas Project. The town was really built for, for mining. So everyone's cashed up except the radio announcer yeah. got $180. Oh my God. So I think the station paid half the rent and the announcer split the rest of it. But that wasn't the, the biggest problem. The biggest problem was the electricity bill from the oh air conditioning God. running. Yeah, those bills so, were astronomical. Good to hear you. I never, I never got a house sitting gig anywhere. So. Well, we were stupid well, enough to get a phone put in the house and that added to the bills as well. <laughs> oh, mate, what a nightmare. And then people would leave or and then trying to work out the bills. And oh, yeah. The ultimate night. Oh, I wasn't here when the air conditioner was on. What should I pay? All right, let's go on to uh, January 24. It's a Tuesday, 12.40 a.m. Today was a pain in the asshole. I got into work at 1.35 and had three commercials to do. I did two of them, put them onto cart, and after that, I was recording them so that the client could have a copy and the cart tape snapped. Fortunately, I hadn't wiped the master tape, so I did another copy. Then I did my other commercial. As it was being checked, it was realised the ad wasn't written properly, so I had to do that one again. Then I had to do the end tags and some Brian Ferry promo tapes. And when it was all finished, it was ten past five. I went home, had a piece of chicken. Oh, piece of chicken. Out of the microwave. And went back to the station, did my shift, recorded some of it, and then Carrie, who was one of my best friends from school, rang, which was great. We had a really long talk, and she had to listen to one of my talk breaks, so the evening was great. Bye! 12.50am. P.S. Cindy got her job hosting a kids show on GWN TV, which is great. I think I remember being insanely jealous that she got TV gigs as well, even though, you know, I was happy with a radio gig. Now, who was that who got the TV gig? Her name was Cindy, and she would did the same radio course as me in Adelaide and got the job in Caratha, and then months later said, there's another job going, send a tape. So she helped me get the job in Caratha pretty much. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm familiar with her. Look, there was probably quite a high turnover of people. Oh, exactly. And I never recorded her last name, so I have no idea who she was or where she's gone or what happened to her. So, Cindy, if you're listening to this, please get in touch. Okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, Wednesday, January 25, 12.02am, I wrote, Day off today, not much to say. Went to lunch with Glenn, rang Mum and Dad and Nana Stella. Had tea, wrote a letter to Roxy Video, which is where I used to work in Adelaide, and wrote a commercial. This writing is such an effort today. Oh, the writing... See ya, 12.04am. Yeah, I really had no interest on Wednesday. (laughs) All right, into uh, Thursday, January 26, 8.45pm. Ooh, starting early. Another day off. Wrote a couple of letters. Um, That was about it. Very uneventful. Not much done at all. Oh, I made a chilli today. Turned out really well. Listen to how I had it. I had chilli with noodles and garlic bread. Yum. 8.49pm. <laughs> wow. Um, I notice you're not getting out much on your days off. No. <laughs> it's too hot. I was too sweaty. <laughs> you can't even go swimming. Nah. There were the, uh, yeah, there, was there a pool anything. up there? Probably um, only at that, uh, the KI, Craft International Hotel. Oh, that's maybe right. not a pool. Oh, the KI. <laughs> like, 
a luxury oasis if you were doing something there or if there was some sort of function that was just the ultimate place to be yeah it was like a hilton hotel in the bush i'm sure if we looked at it now we'd look at it and go gee when you're in that environment of just dust and rocks it does look like the hill oh man it just was like a temple of luxury to me i never got to stay there but every time we were in that building i was like oh wow this is how rich people live (laughs) all right so on to uh friday january 27 12 31 a.m Another day, another dollar. Probably actually closer to 50 cents. A couple of commercials to do. Did my shift at six. Met Bradley. He's very keen to get into radio. Great guy. Really friendly. I feel like he's my best friend and I've only known him for five hours. My God, you freaking loser. (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of clingy as a 19-year-old. Um, also, I keep reading this and knowing that I was in the closet back then and I'm wondering, did I have a crush on Bradley or, and I didn't know how to voice that. I mean, obviously I knew my aunties, my mum, all these people that knew I wasn't gay or thought I wasn't gay were going to read this. So obviously I'm tempering myself, but geez, I'm frothing out over this Bradley guy. Uh, he's one of the nicest people I've met. I had macho nachos for tea tonight, which is taco chips covered in chilies, sauce and cheese and baked in the oven. Great. See you at 12.40am. Oh, and of course I should uh, when I had those nachos. The microwave, thank you. Woohoo! I love that they were called macho nachos. That was clearly what the uh, Mexican restaurant in Caratha thought they should be termed. Have you spoken to Bradley lately? No, I don't even know who he is. (laughs) You're going to have to track him down. I know, it's so tragic. He should be on this episode. Well, maybe he'll get in touch and I'll uh, I'll be even more embarrassed. (laughs) And our final entry for this little episode, Saturday, January 28, 1989. It says at 1.40am I wrote, Hello, I've got very littles to say about today. So see ya, 1.41am. And then in large caps I've got, I'm tired, snooze. And that's it for our uh, week of entries. Wow, quite an eventful week. Not much <laughs> leisure time, no. but uh, a lot of work. I get that most of my leisure time would have been spent in front of the TV, flicking between GWN and the ABC, the only two channels having to probably yeah. endure WWE wrestling or yep. late night rage. Yeah, well, um, the two fine programs. Oh, yeah, completely. Rage probably saved a lot of people over the years, actually. Yeah. So how long did you live there for, Ola? I reckon I was there for three and a half years between Caratha and South Headland. I was that Ooh. whole um, vibe of, I'm not leaving here until I get a job in FM radio, which took me three and a half years to achieve. Three and a half years, yeah, right. I feel, you know, it's great of Karatha to offer everyone their first gig in radio, but it's pretty much a goal, I think, of everyone to just, as soon as you land it, oh. right, start setting place down. Yes, completely. Immediately. There's a story I tell heaps about when I arrived there, the gentleman who picked me up from the airport, an officer of the station, when I was telling him how keen I was, I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, <laughs> I'm ready to go, I'm so excited to be working in radio, you'll soon change your attitude, mate. Was that, that wasn't Richie Orton, was it? Oh, I don't know. I, should, I don't really want to name them. But then he drops me off at the house with all the announcers. <laughs> I sit down at the table. They're all having a beer. They're obviously quite curious about the new edition. I'm doing my usual speech. Oh, I'm so excited. Wow, I've got a gig in radio. This is going to be amazing. And this guy slams his drink on the table and goes, it's not hell, but you can see it from here. <laughs> 
It's so true. Oh, I went right. Oh, my God. My introduction to Karapa. Oh, you poor thing. No wonder you didn't keep a diary. You're too traumatised. Yeah, well, that was all right. Um, <laughs> they had good seafood. Good seafood and good cold beer there. Oh, um, yeah. I've already been pontificating yeah. about those steaks at the Carafa Tavern with the garlic prawns all over the top of them. Uh, now, have you spoken about this in your diary, the proximity of the radio station to the pub? No. Two metres, three metres? Yeah, you could almost reach it. Yeah. Bit of a trap for young players. Oh, my God. The amount of money we wasted in that building, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Stewie, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I'm not sure if I've added anything to it, but privileged to be here, mate. Thanks for having me, and it's great to talk to you. You've added so much to it. Hey, I want to say in the next episode, I'm going to blame religion for my own shortcomings and failures, but don't worry. In the end, my ego will come out untarnished. I'll weirdly lose my appetite, but then I'll whip up another chili and then go into graphic detail about the revisit of that chili the following morning. Plus, I'll keep on gushing about Bradley, who I bestow with a best friend category just five hours after meeting him. Is it any surprise that one of my mates uh, would say of me in the noughties that I would befriend roadkill if I was given the chance? Hurtful. Uh, Plus, to help amplify Indigenous voices, I'm going to spotlight a First Nation artist, business or feature, and this time it's a documentary called In My Blood It Runs. It's a beautifully filmed movie, but it's also a real heartbreaking account of one family's attempts to maintain a connection to their Aboriginal language, culture and identity while also trying to navigate our Western education system. It will infuriate you. If you're in Australia, you can watch it on ABC iView or you can go to In My Blood It Runs. Dot com. Everyone should experience it if they can. So please go search it out. Uh, once again, thanks to the legendary enigmatic DJ Dirtbag for the 1989 theme tune. You can, of course, uh, follow this podcast online at 1989 on Instagram and Twitter. And we're loving uh, that you subscribe. Apparently that helps. So please subscribe. Do a review thingy if you can be bothered. Just tell me how great I am. I would love that. And of course, ooh, from here. Check it out. See ya. Bye.